Hey guys, welcome back to the Mighty Thor podcast. I am Ed, and uh, you can call me uh, Tim. Never mind. No. It's it's a movie reference. No. Just don't call him late to dinner. He'll be yes. happy. And you have heard my co-host already. Terry. Yes, and this is episode 22 of the show, the Mighty Thor podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking about the 1966 volume of the Mighty Thor, issues 128 and 129, and the 2011 volume of Journey in the Mystery, issue 623. And to start off the show, we have a little bit of feedback. We have some email from Ray. Yay! We missed you, Way. We really did. He's been out of town and unable to have reliable internet, but he is back into town now, and he has seen the Thor movie. You know, I have been in town and found it difficult to find reliable internet. <laughs> yes, we did. So, In uh, fact, he, the best internet we found lately was in an Econo Lodge. Where were we? Out of town in... Um, Winchester, Virginia. Winchester, Virginia. The Econo Lodge. Excellent Wi-Fi. Earlier this week. Yeah, it's probably the Facebook the games just zipping right fastest on. Fastest Wi-Fi I've hooked <laughs> my laptop to so far. So. <laughs> but anyway, Way's back in town, and he has seen the Thor movie, and he's caught up with the podcast. And he says, I think the two of you are making the right approach to comic book movies. In general... Just go to enjoy the movie. And I really did enjoy Thor overall. It was a nice mix of the Marvel 616, the series you two are covering, and the Marvel Ultimates Thor, and had a very very J. Michael Straczynski feel to it. The little nuggets in there for a long-time comic book fans were always nice, including the little bit at the end pointing to the Captain America movie. I'll leave out the details for those that want to be surprised, but you can find it on YouTube if you want. He's very much a non-spoiler is what, our way. Which which is cool. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, he w- w- probably that is a reflection of how he would prefer. Yes. Also, so. Anyway, let me go on. The vast majority of my complaints are little nitpick things that really I can forgive. I understand why they made Hogan Japanese instead of Mongolian, really how many of their regular viewing audiences will even notice. And the actor they got, Tadanobu Asano, probably butchered that, I'm sorry, is absolutely brilliant. It's no exaggeration to say that he considered to be one of the most important actors in Japan today. I understand why they made Volstagg uh-huh. nowhere near as big as he is in the comics. We t- discussed that ourselves and said there's no way they it could have made him as probably big wouldn't have as he needed to be in the comics. Yeah. He would have had to be, you know, computer generated. I understand why they had Thor saying Earth instead of Midgard. This is about the level of the vast majority of issues I have with the movie. And he really doesn't dig on Natalie Portman. My biggest single problem with the movie is Natalie Portman. I just don't understand why she's a star. She was by far the most wooden and uncharismatic character in the movie, in my opinion. The actress that played her assistant simply stole everything they had together. But hey, at least she's fun to look at if you're into anorexic little boys. Ouch. Ouch. Tom Tom Hiddleston was brilliant as Loki. We talked about that, too, I do believe. We loved him as Loki. And the only problem I had with Idris Elba as Himdal was some of the dialogue felt forced. I don't think that it was an issue with Elba, more the writing just didn't feel right to me. I also have a vaguely nagging feeling that Professor Eric Selvig is supposed to be somebody from the comics, but I can't quite put my finger on who. I don't 
he didn't he didn't strike. He's any. not the Doctor Eric that was in the the start of the World Eaters book. I don't believe his name was Selvig. Selvig, okay. Also, the movie left me wanting a Warriors Three movie, although I know that will never happen. Listening to your list of Marvel movies, I'm surprised you forgot Hasselhoff's Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. For the Generation X TV movie, he didn't forget it. It just made him a little oh, nauseous. To oh, think about it. No, no. Please. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm really not. They were rather forgettable. Yes. One last note on a quick comment Ed made. He said he thought that Kirby was starting the splash pages and the move away from the non-block page layout. I don't know who the definitive first was for making splash pages, but Bob Kane was using them in Detective Comics before Kirby. Kirby. Okay. This was during the bloodthirsty Batman era when he was still more of a pulp hero than a superhero. Right. That said, Kirby definitely went a long way towards popularizing the larger, irregularly shaped panels and splash pages. I guess that's long enough of an email for now. I appreciate the concern you expressed. We missed you, Way, but you're not getting rid of me that easily. Way. All right. We don't want to get rid of you, Way. And, uh, yeah, he's right. Things that might have been going on at D.C., I, I honestly just would not really have any knowledge of. Yeah, because uh, you, weren't, you weren't big into their, their characters. E- even now, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have much D.C. history except for maybe right around the time of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was the uh, middle to late 80s for a little while. That, that's about it. So uh, I apologize, you know, to any D- D.C. fans that, that might have been listening if uh, – some of, uh, you know, you guys as creators were, were jumping on board for that stuff before Kirby. You know, I apologize. By all means, let us know. Um, makes me want to go back and look through Bob Kane Batman, um, which is roughly, what, 30 years? Uh, Batman had 30 years on Thor, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. So uh, make me look up and, and see what Bob Kane was doing. So, all right, and you know something else came to mind about the movie, but uh, it, it has it has left me. Oh, 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 oh. Um, you know, again, folks, let, let's let's all just go see the movie. You know, um, just let, let's all let's all go see the movie. Valid, you know, valid points that he made. Uh, some of them I agree with. Some of them didn't didn't make a uh, an impression on me, you know, one way or the other. Uh, but I was entertained by it. I, I did like it. It was it was cool. Oh, a Warriors Three movie would be pretty cool. Focus in on those guys a little bit more. That that'd be that'd be awesome. All right, uh, going into the Mighty Thor. 1966 volume issue 128. On the cover here we have. Hercules, surrounded by soldiers of some sort, with Thor jumping in to save him, apparently. The book opens, a scene in Asgard. The story is written by Stan Lee, penciled by Jack Kirby, inked by Vince Coletta, and lettered by Artie Simic. In Asgard here, we see that Thor is, uh, shall we say, convalescing from his recent battles with, um, what was the dude's name? Sidring? 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 Sidring. And uh, he, between that and and having his diminished power, he kind of took a beating, so he's recovering here, and then 
when he is fully healed, Odin states that he's going to uh, give the rest of Stor's Thor's strength back. Uh, Odin is is visiting Thor. That's the opening scene. He then leaves to attend to the judgment seat where he will pass judgment on Cedring. And uh, an interesting judgment he does pass. It makes me wonder if uh, in the future we're going to see this come back to haunt us. I'm sure we will. But he he banishes Cedring to the realm of the rock trolls. And Cedring is now the king of the rock trolls. Can I interrupt for just a second? Yes, and, yes. and comment on Odin's seat of justice. The big clamshell throny seat that he's sitting on. It looks like it's like propped up on one little tiny one, pillar. One little pedestal? Yeah. That's quite a seat. The, um, That's quite the, a seat. The judgment seat, maybe it, it differs from other seats around Asgard. Could be. I, I don't, I don't that, that's, know. That's quite, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's quite a seat. We uh, go back to Earth where Hercules is... Uh, walking around this massive set that is going to be used for the movie that he has been hired in to make uh, about Hercules, oddly enough. Big, vast, full-page, Kirby-esque kind of throne room. Um, Foreground, background, different levels, lots of of color, which I know the color wouldn't have been Kirby, but he he may have um, had them you know, some color direction. Hercules is walking around with his uh, agent or with the casting agent for the movie, kind of being shown around. The actress playing the Queen of the Amazons comes in and she and Hercules flirt for a little while. Hercules, uh, in the midst of this, is attacked by a a rather large creature. The... disembodied voice from behind says that this is a screen test for Hercules and after a few solid punches here and there the creature is banished Uh, the producer steps forward who we know is Pluto in disguise right? Mm -hmm. we knew before this yes okay I'm not giving anything away oh by the way um, let me throw out there now that we're six pages deep in the story that um, we are a spoiler podcast uh, we're going to talk about these stories. We're going to talk about images from the stories. Not necessarily going to give away completely everything, but we're going to talk about the plot and what occurred and things like that. And so, that's not so important with the 1966 versions, but when we get to the new one, yeah, at the end of the show, the last book we do is always the new one. So if you haven't read it yet and you don't want to hear it, yeah, so keep, stick your fingers in your ears in and go la 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 while we're talking. So I need to get back in the habit of mm-hmm. telling people that up front. So... Uh, Pluto is, is said that he got rid of this mechanical construct that he used to attack Hercules, but later on in the story we see more of them, so it wasn't actually it's not mechanical. a mechanical construct. No, that was, was just a, his story at the a moment. A denizen of hell. Yeah, that's just his story at the moment, that it was mechanical. Then we, uh, we cut back to Asgard, where Balder has taken Thor out real rifle hunting. Uh, Thor is still 
bedridden, but they are using a um, skimmer, an ice skimmer, a royal ice skimmer, being, being piloted by a, a separate pilot, but then Balder is inside with Thor, and Thor is shooting out a portal to try to capture some armored beast fish. Beast fish. Is, uh, he fires, uh, but because of his weakened condition, he, he misses misses close enough that the animals are angered and they attack the glider. Balder uh, fends off the beasts and then they quickly return back to Asgard, basically showing uh, Thor attempting to do something but not really being healthy enough to do it was the whole the whole thing. Back on Earth, uh, Pluto is throwing a dinner for Hercules. At the dinner, there's some, some sword play by the queen of the Amazons and one of her Amazonettes. Pluto then pulls out a, a, a document saying, well, here, you know, while we're sitting here, I need you to go ahead and sign this and get this over with, you know, just a little thing. Uh, we know that this is the pact that Pluto has, that when he gets Hercules to sign it, Hercules will become the new lord of the underworld and Pluto will be set free from a curse more or less that was placed upon him by Zeus which is the entire reason Pluto is doing all this with the movie and, and finding Hercules and all this to get him to sign this which Hercules does and what really surprised me is Hercules read it first well, he, he knew that it said that he would be ruling the netherworld for all eternity yeah he read parts of it I don't but I still I thought really for sure because I knew that it was going to come up and I thought that he just wouldn't look at it but he did look at it yeah but there's drinking and merrymaking and women wine and song you know so he's not paying much attention oh I'm the ruler of underworld okay well no I don't want to do it and he tried to say that he didn't want to do it but then to get that business done and move on to other things he went ahead and did it so uh, now we see that uh, Pluto reveals himself for who he is the actress playing the Queen of the Amazons reveals herself to be who she is, which is, um, I guess, pronounced Hippolyta. 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 Yeah, one of the who is the actual Queen of the Amazons. Which, if you know your Herculean lore, he spurned at some point previously, and she has always had a grudge against him. So she was helping Pluto condemn Hercules, basically. And so Pluto is telling him. Hey, dog, you signed it. You know, the underworld is all yours now. Go enjoy. And Hercules is, you know, saying no, he doesn't want to do it. Pluto, oddly enough, who is no longer king of the underworld, six, the denizens of the underworld on Hercules. Mm -hmm. Which I don't understand how he can do because he no longer has power over them. Well, so why would they listen to Hercules him? hasn't been given the underworld by Zeus yet. Because later on, he goes before his father, and his father tells him he has to go well, but and introduces him to the... Signing that made it official. He just goes to Zeus to enforce it. But signing that made it official. When he signed it, Hercules is now Lord of the Underworld. But maybe the throne isn't turned yeah. over until Zeus says it is being as he's the king of the gods. It's a writing oversight, okay. I think. Because how else is Pluto going to do anything? 
if he doesn't still have his powers. But legally, Hercules is now the man. You know, he he should have the power. Pluto should not, but Pluto still has it. He's he's calling up a couple of these big dudes that attacked Hercules earlier that he said was a screen test, and they're whooping up on Hercules, but Hercules finally beats him down. We cut to Asgard, where we then find that um, Thor is jousting with Volstagg and uh, uproots him, which apparently is something because Volstagg is big. Uh, apparently that doesn't happen very often, if at all. Uh, Thor is talking to Odin. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you recovered and all that kind of father sonny stuff. Thor asks Odin, before we do anything else, can you send me back to Earth because I still need to kick Hercules' butt? So Odin says, so be it. Go down to Earth and, and kick this man's butt. Thor gets there at the uh, studio. I, I guess what it is is uh, Odin sent Thor to where Hercules was. He didn't have to search for him or anything, so he ends up at the studio sees the defeated people lying around, sees the studio in shambles, finally comes upon Hercules, basically fighting for his life against dozens and, and dozens of... Denizens of the netherworld. Netherworld. That's what Thor calls them. Yes, not hell, not underworld. Netherworld. So Thor jumps in, eh, probably I think for a couple reasons. First, because Hercules is outnumbered. Mm-hmm but also because he wants to save Hercules so that he can beat him up. Mm-hmm. So so the two of them are fighting together, and they, they do manage to vanquish uh, most of their foes well on their way to vanquishing everybody. And that's where Pluto realizes, hmm, sicking everybody on Hercules and, and dragging him down isn't going to work, so I need to go talk to Zeus, show him this contract, and Zeus will make Hercules go. So Zeus and Hippolyta go to Pluto and Hippolyta. Zeus and, yeah, Pluto and Hippolyta go to see Zeus in Olympia. Too many pantheons running around here. Uh Um, Thor and Hercules finally defeat all of the bad guys by throwing this huge pillar at everyone. And when they go to kind of mop up after the pillar crashes and disintegrates and everything, everyone is gone, uh, having been sent back to the underworld, netherworld, hell, whatever you want to call it. So the last scene of the book, Hercules is telling Thor basically what's going on. And (laughs) Thor is saying, dog, that sucks for you. And that's basically. And I'm not going to fight you right now because you got something else to do. Yeah, that's all he says. I'll I'll leave you to it. We'll we'll pick this up later. And so that's that's the end of 128. 129 on the cover we have Zeus, uh, looking like he has summoned Hercules and Thor, just by the gesture he's making in my mind. The caption on the cover says, The Verdict of Zeus. I like that cover. It's very, very vivid. Very Very, dramatic. Yes. Very um, even cinematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Book opens with Thor uh, wandering around town, being um, beset upon by all his fans. He uh, 
decides to uh, take a cab at the behest of the cabbie to the location that he assumes that Jane Foster is still at, uh, the last place he knew her to be. Mm -hmm. And he and the cabbie have a little talk about how, hey, you know, you're not that much different than me. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, right. Trying to ground Thor. Okay. Uh, Another little scene with the uh, doorman at at the hotel here. Same kind of thing between the doorman and the cabbie and Thor. Cut back up to Olympia, where there is much merrymaking. We see, among others, um, Zeus, Dionysus. We have Pan down here. Maybe some others that I'm just not picking up. Uh, General revelry going on. It's interrupted by Pluto's sudden appearance. Both the fact that it's sudden, but also the fact that apparently... Pluto has been banished from Olympia and is is no longer welcome there. But he said, you know, I I have an issue here. I I am no longer the lord of the underworld, so all of your stuff doesn't apply to me, and here is why. He hands him the contract so that he can see that, indeed, someone else has signed the contract. Um, With no other mode of transportation other than to hoof it, Hercules, after defeating all the bad guys, is climbing Mount Olympia, where when he gets to the top, he is beset upon by a yellow-crested titan, who turns out to be the fiercest and most powerful of the titan breeds. So this titan and Hercules have at it for a little while. Hercules finally makes his way into Olympia, only to be stopped by his father, um, who, who has read the contract? Who has read the contract and is has said the netherworld is yours. Mm-hmm. You know he he banishes him to the netherworld just as Zeus had banished Pluto to the netherworld. But and he's treating him a lot like um, Odin treats treats Thor. Thor. He's like you need to be humbled. So even you did this to yourself. So I'm not going to try to do anything to overrule it. You just got to go. But he says one thing. But then he leaves this message Mm -hmm. as kind of the way out, but he doesn't vocalize it. It's kind of like a message only for Hercules, which says, find ye one who will fight in thy stead, one who will risk the netherworld himself to save thee in a message. He's forbidden Hercules to fight anybody at any time. Right. So he's doing this one thing as he must do as the king. But as dad, he's saying, however, if you do this, you know, we'll be able to get you out of here. So we cut back to Earth where Thor um, makes his way to Jane Foster's apartment. He is introduced to her new roommate, Tana Nile. Uh, First name T-A-N-A, last name N-I-L-E, Tana Nile. Uh, Who seems kind of weird to Thor even so much so that he defers to her in a royalty kind of way, like out of nowhere. Um, Thor and, and Jane talk a little bit longer. You know, Thor tells her, I, uh, I still, you know, have business that I need to finish, but I will be back. And the whole time that they're talking, they're being spied upon by this Tana Nile character. And the important thing is Thor is telling Jane at this point that he is going to renounce 
his godly yes, heritage. I'm sorry. Right. And remain on earth with her. With her. So he's right. He's going to give up being an immortal. Yes. In order to stay with her. And she actually asks him not to. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. So uh, he decides to go, you know, he, he goes back to Asgard as, as part of his ongoing thing to to do what he told Janie would. He encounters Balder on the Rainbow Bridge, and Balder tells him that Odin has asked for him. So Thor goes, and apparently there is a ceremony that at this particular time, I assume, tied into, say, Thor's age or something like that. He has to go through the day of the three worlds uh, in which he will be banished to limbo by Odin. And the only way that he will leave is when the, the wind of fate blows him out of limbo to help somebody, to do something for someone else. And in so doing, it will help uh, define what Thor's destiny is going to be. Which, being the oldest son of Odin, I would think his destiny was to rule Asgard. But, mm-hmm. Okay, so Odin does banish Thor to Limbo. And uh, this is the same Limbo that... Um, the Hulk was banished to in the early issues of the Avengers. Not to be confused with the limbo that Kang the Conqueror lives in and Immortus lives in. There's okay. different limbos, but this is this is the the same as the first limbo that they spoke of in their superhero comics in the in the Marvel universe. We cut back to Olympia, where. Thor is asking Ares if Ares, who is the god of war. I say Thor. Yeah. Hercules is asking Ares if he will fight for him, being that Ares is the... uh, God of battle. Roman or Greek, whichever one it is, god of war. So uh, Ares says, you know, I'm the wrong person to ask because really I think you suck. I'm not going to do anything for you. And he says, and so, you know, remember that when you're stuck in the netherworld. So Hercules storms off. Uh, Apparently time is ticking away for him to find something. There's a time limit that he has to to find somebody to fight for him before he will just be banished, and that will be the end of it. Next, he encounters Hermes, uh, or um, when I see... Okay, yeah. He encounters Hermes. This kind of confused me because I thought that Hermes and Mercury were the equivalents in the, in the Greek-Roman mythos. Right. And I'm not aware that Mercury rides across the universe in this chariot. I thought the legend was that Apollo went through with the sun hitched to the back of the chariot. But the way they made this read... My valiant science, we have a universe to cross ere the curtains of darkness gather. That makes me think that he is the one moving the sun across the heavens. But I thought that was what Apollo did. I don't know. We'll have to check in again. So, I was a little confused there. But Hercules is calling him Hermes. And it, 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 it is my understanding that Hermes and Mercury are the same. 
persona across the pantheon. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. But um, Hermes runs out because he's got this flying across the universe thing to do, so he can't help Hercules. Uh, Hercules sees that the, the time is ticking away, and then all of a sudden he is summoned to Pluto, who introduces him to the warriors of the underworld who are going to help escort Hercules back to his home kingdom. Um, in desperation, Hercules cries out, you know, what he needs. He needs someone to fight for him. Uh, the winds of fate whip up Thor and carry him to Hercules to be the one who is going to fight for him to try to prevent him from having to go down to the netherworld. So at the end of the issue, it appears as though Thor and Pluto are going to fight. So that's that's where that ends. Um, let me check out here. I don't think I listed who the creative team was. Um, Written by Stan Lee, pencil Jack Kirby, inker Vince Coletta, and there's no mention of the letterer of this issue. So what did you think of those two? I liked them. I like the I like the story. It's a it's a nice big mm-hmm. story. Um, it's difficult to talk about because there's all these gods and the pantheons and everything for me to try to keep in mind, so I'm making lots of mistakes, but it's the Olympian Pantheon and the uh, Asgardian Pantheon. Olympian, Zeus, Hercules, Hermes. Like I said, I, I don't remember if that is Greek or Roman. I want to say that it's Greek, but I don't remember for sure. So, All right, and uh, next. I'm sorry, I was looking up Apollo. He was Greek. Okay, so these are Roman. These are the Roman gods. Zeus and Hermes and Hercules. Okay. Was he the one that carried the sun? I didn't get that far because okay. it's, my, it's my turn to go over a book. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. So I'm going to pick up um, issue 623 of Journey into Mystery Fear Itself, the 2011. This is the newest one that's out. don't believe we've got another one out yet. And we start out, first off, the front cover is a marvelous rendition of young Loki in the background and an older Loki in the foreground, in in the hand of the young Loki. Right, the young Loki is holding holding out in front of his face the the, the old Loki. Loki. I guess he can keep an eye on what he used to be. And it starts out with Odin leading his children up Bifrost, abandoning Midgard, and forging a new Asgard from the airy, very air itself. And it's a quite colorful, involved imagery of a cataclysmic kind of explosion-looking, arc-bearing picture With Odin saying, the serpent comes, the earth will only fuel him, it must be scoured. Bring me tools for the task, bring me war. The uh, creative team on this is Kieran Gillen as the writer, Doug Braithwaite as the penciler, 
Ulysses Seriola is the colorist, and the letters is uh, Clayton Cowles. Thank you. The letters are, excuse me. Thank you. And now, keep in mind, we are going to talk about this in depth, so if you guys want to pass on the next, well, I don't know, however many minutes, um, be aware that we're going to talk about this pretty pretty good. So Yeah. And Asgard went to work creating a new city. And Odin has decided that any who, who want to side with the humans must be imprisoned for their betrayal. And Thor happens to be one of them. Yeah, I think this, they talked about this a little bit in 622 last yes, month. But I believe the majority of this is due to what's going on in the Fear Itself series. Okay. Because the serpent that he's referring to mm-hmm. is the main protagonist in, in the Fear, Fear Itself, Itself series. It, yeah, there, there really hasn't been a whole lot of reference to it in this book, even though the uh, repercussions are being Felt illustrated in this book. In this book. So uh, we still haven't quite decided, I don't think, if we're going to talk about Fear Itself. Well, if it keeps, if this one keeps being um, pulled from, the fear itself, it, it may be that we want to go to one old and then the fear itself and, and it, this new one in order to get the whole story. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to together. be. I don't but, think Thor is, but it looks like this title is yeah, going to be. So. Yeah. so we might have to do that. But then, like I said, it shows Thor being held back and in chains because he is siding with the humans. And Odin is still building his forces, building armor, making sure all his all his all his uh, warriors are well armored and ready for, for, for battle. And he drags the hell wolf to his cell until he is needed. And the hell wolf is spouting revenge. Much, I will get you all for this. Much vitriol. Yes, I will get you for this. Which I don't know where the hell wolf came from. It was just kind of there. He's just kind of there, so, and I didn't know if maybe that was part of fear itself, but uh, maybe, there he is. I, I don't know. And this then it shows Loki saying, talking to the the man who has been put in charge of him at the moment, that this is not right. He says that it's not right that we scour one world in order to try to help another world that they all are co-mingling and interdependent upon each other and I agree with him because the whole point of the world eaters was that they were eating worlds that were necessary for the balance and Asgard fought against them because they realized that you know that they were going to eat their world and now Odin wants to get rid of Midgard he may he is no different to me than the world eaters wanting to get rid of Asgard I, I don't think he wants to get rid of Midgard I think that he is removing himself from the affairs of man. Whatever's going to happen to man is is man's problem. I have to take my people and protect my people. I think is what he's doing. Um, the, but in doing that, he is he is he is abandoning Midgard. But okay. that's not the goal. This I think shows you how messed up that protagonist is and fear itself, that Odin has this kind of fear of him. So Loki's talking about they have to do something. Thor's gone, and somebody has to help Asgard. And the man that's in charge of him says, yes, Thor's gone, and there's nothing much we can do. 
And while he's spouting all this off, here comes Volstagg and punches him in the face and says, um, sorry, forgive me, this way, Loki. Because Thor has given the Warriors three the duty of watching over Loki and making sure that Loki is okay. Loki's trying to thank Volstagg, and Volstagg's like, no, I don't want to hear it. If I have my way, you know, yeah. And Thor talks with But however, Loki, you can't go on the way you're going on and get people to help you. And Loki's like, yeah, I know, we need Thor. And Volstagg's, yes, we do, we need Thor. (laughs) So come over here, I'll help you get Thor. So come on, and I'll help you get Thor, right. And he takes him and puts him to shoveling goat dung for a little while. Yes. And Loki's like, I don't understand how this is going to help me get an answer and, and... and find Thor, and Volstagg's like, well, when we find Thor, he's not going to want to see all this goat dung laying around. He's going to want it clean. And, like, he's like, why in the world does he have these goats? Like, he has forgotten. He probably doesn't have all the memories. Apparently not, no. Of, of Loki. Right. So, he's like, I don't understand why he even has these things. And Volstagg con- tells the story of how Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder came to be in Thor's life, and I didn't know this, and I was quite happy to hear a little story here. Which shows you, I guess, reinforces that this is a different Loki. This is a different Loki. Because he didn't do this. Right. He has no knowledge of this, no memory of this. Right. So. so when Thor and Loki were, were children, they saw a group of um, elves on in cavalry on steeds, and Thor decided that he wanted a steed to match his character and strength, and Loki is like taunting and playing with him, saying, well, you know, anybody can break a horse, but you really need to just, you know, find the most stubborn beast in the world, and that's who you need to break. And there was Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder, the Lord of the Goats, who had been to no one. So Thor took it as his summer. Them Eventually had to go down and get a special bridle from the um, dwarves that would help tame the goats. And spent time getting them tamed. And Loki didn't remember any of that. Yeah, so... So that's... He, he wasn't there. Right. And, and Loki's him. even like, yeah, right. Are you sh- are you sure this is true? So Volstagg reaches up to the, to the bridles and the goats automatically are cowed. Goats are cowed. Ah, uh, 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 okay. there's a pun there. I'm telling you. So, Which is funny because in this same scene, Volstagg makes a pun. Makes a pun also. Yes. He said that the ale has made him thirsty. Made him thirsty. <laughs> made me. Ah, 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 ah. Um, quick comment. Yeah. Maybe Loki does know. And he was playing so that Volstagg would show him which of the bridles was the one he is now, could be. looking for. Could be. Who knows? Because that's what, you know, he's like. Here, watch as I reach for the bridle, and you see on the on the tack wall here that there's all kinds of things. Uh-huh. So maybe Loki didn't know which was what he was looking for, and he played Volstagg all along to show him. Oh well, this one here. See, watch. And he's like, Yeah, okay, I see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because good after, story. After all, he is Loki. Yes, he is. I, you know. Yes, so. he is. That, not, that just dawned on me. I didn't think about that when I was reading it, but I'm we're like... We're not quite sure from day to day whether or not he's Loki or a new and improved Loki. You know, Who knows? So, so he decides he's, he's tired of shoveling poo 
and he asks his what do you call Icole? Icole is his um is like a sensei, like his his Well, it is the personification of the of the old, old Loki. Loki. But it's kinda um, like his guide, maybe. Well, almost like a medium, but yeah. not not exactly like a medium. So But he asks he asks Icole to give him wisdom to to help him know what to do. And Icole's like yeah, he spits to do out. what? And, and Loki's like, well, we have to fight this serpent. And, and Icole's like, well, who is this serpent? And Loki's like, nobody knows. And he's like, well, there are some three Norish women. Who know? They're whispering about it at the World Tree. So Loki goes to the World Tree. He takes the goat, goes to the World Tree, and dives down and holding on to goat wool strands, dives down into the bottom of the World Tree so he can hear the whisperings of the witches, comes back up tearful, saying, no, no, your children love you. All your children love you. But we don't get to know what the whispering was. All we know is that Loki is upset to the point of crying and realizes that he needs to find Thor and he needs to find Thor now because he needs to know what to do. So he does. He goes to the prison where Odin has imprisoned Thor for being siding with the humans and he says, Thor, I need your advice. I need to know if something bad was going to happen, what you would do. And Thor said, I would prevent it. And Loki said, but what if that something... And asked him what he's planning, but he's like, there's no sense in even telling you because you can't help me where you are. You've done all you can do for me. So Loki goes and finds the Hellwolf. And he strikes a bargain with him. says, I will let you out of here. And I will let you free if you will be my servant. And the Hellwolf's like, sure. Sure, I'll be your servant. No problem. And Loki's like, you promise on your very soul that you will be my servant. And the Hellwolf's like, sure, I promise you. No problem. So Loki lets him out, and immediately the Hell Wolf is looking for the morsel that he can, the little mouthful that he can eat. And while he is trying to chase after Loki, Loki is doubling back on him with the magic bridle. And he manages to, with the magic, because there's no way that the Hell Wolf can fight against the magic. And it made him docile to him. And he's like, you know, you're under my control. You have no choice because of this bridle. And he says, well, what do you wish, you thrice-cursed tiny tyrant? I love that line. And Loki's like, I just want you to be in service to me and do what I ask. But since you tried to eat me, you have to do exactly as I say for as long as I say. And the Hellwolf's like, that's fine. I'll just dream about eating you. But I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. And so he starts calling Loki Meat. That's his new name. And that's the end of this issue. Much better. Much better than the World Tree than series. The, I'm really enjoying this series. Than the World Eaters. Much yes. better. Yes. The art is better. It's still a, a, a little undefined. 
Really? I, I think it's much better. It's much that, better. I'm not saying stuff. it's not much better. It is. It's much better. It's still a slightly bit undefined, but I'm, I'm enjoying it more. I'm enjoying this whole story more. Yeah. So, so there we go. Um, I don't think I really have anything else to say. No, I just can't wait to see what Loki and the Hellwolf are going to do. All right, so next episode will be issues um, 130 and 131 of the 1966 volume of Journey into Mystery and the 2011 volume of The Mighty Thor, issue 2. In the meantime, we'll try to gather up and look through this Fear Itself stuff. Um... There's going to be a host of, of mini-series also. There's going to be the Fear Itself Homefront, which I doubt will be necessary for us. Uh, Fear Itself, like eight or nine different titles, Spider-Man, Alpha Flight, I don't think that's going to affect us. These Journey into Mysteries uh, will tie in, and then there's the main Fear Itself, which I have read that the creators have said that for the main story, that is all you have to read. And you will get everything from that that you need. So we may well read that and start incorporating it in, uh, especially since it's going to directly affect things going on in the Journey into Mystery. I'm not so sure it's going to directly affect what's going on in Thor. It didn't seem to with the first issue. So we'll, we'll have to see. If uh, if you guys do want to get in touch with us about anything, our email address is themightythorpodcast at gmail.com. Website is comicbooknoise slash Thor. And we have a Facebook fan page under um, the title The Mighty Thorcast, which we also have hooked up the website and the RSS feed to it so that you can when you go to the fan page over on the right hand side there's a a link labeled RSS feed you can click on it and it gives you a list of the episodes and you can click on the episode and actually listen to it while you're in Facebook so that's that's a pretty cool pretty cool change that they recently did I, I like that and um I guess other than that, that'll be everything for us this week. Thank you guys for listening in. Uh, Give us some feedback on iTunes. Give us a review if you get us from there. It'll help other folks find us. Uh, Listen to some of the other comic book podcasts out there. It's another week, this past week, full of Thor movie reviews. I didn't put together a list this week because the vast majority came out last week, and I, I gave that list then, but there's been another eight or ten pop-up that I have seen that, that have uh, shows. If um, if you guys are on the uh, looking out for other comic book podcasts, you can go to the comic book podcast wiki, which I help keep up, and it's got a full listing, well, as full as we can, as, as, as complete as we can make it, of all the podcasts that have significant comic book talk. Now, there is a uh, an assortment of geek culture podcasts, but they do 
have, as I said, a significant amount of, of comic book talk on there, as well as podcasts that are all comic book. So that's that's on there. We try to keep that updated, add new ones that are found. We prune off ones that haven't put a show out in a year or more. So that's fairly up to date. There's, I don't know, a couple 300 active shows on there and another couple hundred that have uh, pod faded. So excellent resource if you're looking for more comic book podcasts. So thanks, guys. Um, keep listening. We'll be back with you next week with those books that I mentioned uh, a little, little earlier. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.